All right, good morning. My name is uh, Craig Hunter. I'm a member of the leadership team and have been on that team for way too many years to count. And I am uh, apologize for interrupting the Pafford show here. We had Lily on Friday night and Carl this morning and then Jeremy. So before we get started, Mary, do you have anything to add? <laughs> okay, we're good. Okay. Good deal. And it just doesn't quite seem right without the Aitons uh, sitting in the front row. Uh, but I have been assured that all six of them are uh, are watching from Florida on the live stream. So uh, that will comfort me some up here this morning as we work our way through a uh, the topic of Christian leadership for the next 20 to 25 minutes. So I want to tell you just a little bit about my background and what qualifies me to be up here. And the answer to that is there's officially no theological training I don't have anywhere near the theological chops that uh, Ben or Zach or Joshua do. Um, but what I offer is a different take on things. Uh, traditionally, we do a lot of expository teaching um, straight from the Bible, um, which is all great teaching. I'm going to do uh, something a little different called topical pre- preaching, and we're going to discuss the topic of Christian leadership and what that means for us individually um, within our lives and how that uh, how you can impact people um, being a Christian leader. And as I was um, doing my research on this, I looked back and I said, you know, I've probably sat in those chairs about 1,200 times. Um, I've attended probably about 300 small groups, 600 prayer meetings before church in the morning, and hopefully have taken in a lot of things as I've sat and I've listened and I've paid attention over the course of the years. So um, when I share with you this morning... I do so with um, quite a bit of experience here at Prairie View, um, but also some real-world experience when it comes to uh, to leadership as well. And last week, Joshua talked up here. He said, hey, this is going to be anything but a normal Sunday. So it's uh, I'm already being interrupted here this morning, so we're going to try something different. How's that going to be? Is that going to work better for you back there? All right, here we go. Anybody else wants to interrupt? Speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> Once I get going, I, we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to stop. So that twenty to twenty-five minutes is now twenty-one to twenty-six because that was not uh, that was not very well rehearsed. Um, but in addition to uh, being a leader at church, uh, I've got a little bit of background in uh, in leadership. Uh, And most of you won't have any idea what my first dive into leadership was. I was about the age of 19, and I was the assistant coach on a women's softball team. And it was uh, Austin smiling because he would believe it, because I'm still coaching softball uh, today. And uh, I got roped into this. We were at work, and uh, my sister was playing on the team. And she says, hey, we need some help. Can you come out? Can you hit us some grounders? It'll be a lot of fun. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. Um, so I tried it, and uh, the, the head coach was probably, seemed old at the time, but maybe he was 30, 32, 34, 35, I don't know. I was 18 or 19, and all of the gals on the softball team were in ranging from people old enough to be my sister, my soon-to-be girlfriend, and, of course, my parents. There, there were some folks on there, and so the biggest challenge I'm looking at at the time is I got Zandra, and I got Carol, and I'm like, nobody wants to play catcher. One of you has got to play catcher. I've got Diane, and I've got another gal named Carol, and they're off in the bathroom having a cigarette, trying to sneak one because their husbands don't know that they smoke, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. 
Uh, and that was my first go at it um, in trying to make some sort of sense of how to be a leader. Um, shortly after that, I became a leader um, in my job. And uh, that meant things had to change for me. You know, I wasn't just hanging out with my friends. I wasn't just kissing the cute blonde by the time clock, who, by the way, later on turned out to be my wife of 35 years. So that was all a, uh, all of a good story as, uh, as well. But uh, at the end of the day, we all have a different entry into leadership, whether that was with your family, with your job, as a parent, or whatever that looks like. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about, uh, talking about Christian leadership. Um, before we do that, I'm going to, uh, to pray, and then we'll work our way through some relevant scriptures and hopefully some, uh, some good discussion. Dear Father, we, just, uh, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship on Sunday morning. Uh, thank you for each and every person that walked in the room uh, today. I, I pray for, uh, that folks came in with open minds and open hearts. And whether you're here in person or you're watching on the live stream or you're going to watch later on, uh, we pray that um, the time we spend here this morning be meaningful to you. Father, most of all, we thank you uh, for Jesus. And he gave us the, uh, the ultimate example of, of Christian leadership. And then, as Jeremy mentioned earlier, gave the ultimate sacrifice. So, Father, we pray that our time together... This morning, be very pleasing to your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're all leaders. We've all led something at some point in, in time. So I'm sitting in my, uh, my new home office, and I'm, I'm working on the sermon, and, and Kathy walks in, and she says, Hey, how is this going to affect me as we're talking about leadership? And some of the finest examples I can think of leadership have came from mothers in the home as they are working with their small children, especially in those Christian homes where we're training kids to, uh, to grow up and to be Christ followers. And uh, I'm a long time removed from having small children in the home, but I do have a, a small grandson now, and I get to, uh, I'm fortunate enough to help watch him on, uh, on Wednesday mornings. And uh, we're, we're sitting in the room, in the playroom, with all these toys, as you can imagine, what a two-year-old has, and we're bouncing around from... Uh, you know, puzzles to blocks to balls to wrestling to, to whatever that might look like. And the next thing you know, he has this little toy, Ikea kitchen, and it's, uh, he hands us a tray, and he says, Christ? So he, at two years old, was handing us a communion tray. Um, and my wife and I were, were chatting about it, and when uh, his mother got home, we said, was he serving us communion? And... Uh, she said, well, he was. You know, he's been learning about that in church. And I was like just taken aback that a two-year-old uh, would know what communion was. Fast forward a few weeks later, we're, um, we're around the Thanksgiving table at home. And uh, the little guy is standing by the table. And I say, hey, Will, what are you doing? He said, I'm watching the food. I said, man after my own heart. He's getting ready for dinner. He's over there watching the food. And, uh, but he knew that he could not eat the food until he prayed. So uh, traditionally, it's my job to deliver the, uh, the prayer before uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but on this particular Thanksgiving, which was just a few weeks ago, I gave my job to Will because he seemed awfully excited to be able to do it. So at the tender young age of two, little Will folded his hands and he said, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. And then he added, Let's eat um, to the end of it. But what a testament to the parents in that household, uh, my son and his wife, that they're working on that type of thing when somebody's two years old. Um, I can tell you that's not the way my son grew up. He didn't have any idea what any of that stuff was at the age of two years old. But what a testament it was um, to the parents in that household. Um, 
So put that right up near the top of your list as leaders, as moms, as dads. What are you doing in that household? So just because you're not a leader in your job, just because you're not a leader in the church, um, doesn't mean you don't have a key role in leadership. Uh, and you just never know when that's going to be. Uh, my daughter, who's a, a school teacher, she came home to me early on this year, and she said, you'll never guess what I'm doing at, at, at school. I said, what's that, honey? She said, well, my friend and I have taken the role of leadership in the personal development process. Teachers have to have a certain amount of development to maintain their licenses and whatnot, and she had signed up to be the leader. And she grew up in a household where if you were going to be involved in something, you were going to raise your hand and you were going to say, hey, yeah, use me. I'll do it. Use me. Um, put yourself out there in those positions. So um, it may not be the most comfortable thing for you to do. It's not the most comfortable thing for me to be up here. Um, but here I am. And I think that uh, we can all gain a little bit of uh, something for, to find out what Scripture has to say about, uh, about Christian leadership. So we'll move along to the first uh, piece of Scripture. And it talks about leadership for the right reasons. I'm going to read uh, most of the Scripture. is going to be right up on the screen. So the first one will be out of Philippians 2. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. So having the right attitude, I think, has a lot of it. Um, We don't want to be leaders for the recognition. We don't want to be leaders for the title. We don't want to be leaders for the money. And I know when I'm doing an interview at work and we talk about you know, hey, why do you want to get into leadership? Well, how much does it pay? Uh, if that's the first word out of somebody's mouth, they probably don't have a passion for leadership and a, and a passion for developing people. But using, you know, what are the right reasons behind why you want to be in leadership? What attitude are you bringing um, to the table? Um, we really have to humble ourselves and say, hey, we are all equal. We just have a different job to do at work or in your church or wherever that might be. Um, jobs and responsibilities are different, um, but the people who do all of them are, are created equal and through the eyes of Christ. And we want to make sure we're approaching that with a positive attitude. Um, I want to read an example of what possibly is one of Jesus' greatest moments of leadership, and that is uh, in John 13, uh, verses 12 through 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. very interesting that you know he goes on in that conversation and he talks about um, you will be blessed if you do them you know and that we all know that that was amongst the dirtiest jobs you could have had uh, Mike Rowe would have featured this on dirty jobs had that been a uh, something that was uh, a little more common of a practice out there um, but you know one of the challenges we have as leaders regardless of how you're a leader is that we've got to show up for everybody could you imagine Jesus going through and people walk, yeah, not those feet, no way. Those feet I'll do. They're worthy of having their feet washed. They're not. 
It's all of the feet, all of the time. Whether they're the prettiest feet, whether they're the cleanest feet, whether they're whatever those feet look like, it's all of the feet, all of the time. Uh, and that is what separates a lot of the uh, the great leaders from the okay leaders. It's easy to spend time with people like you. It's easy to spend time with people you enjoy spending time with. It's easy to lead people that want to be led. Um, our challenge lies in making certain that we're getting out there and we're leading everybody to Christ. Um, could be the surly neighbor. You know, could be the person in the cubicle next to you, next to you at work. Um, could be the long lost brother-in-law who uh, doesn't know the first thing about Jesus or where, uh, or how to lead somebody to Christ. It's, it's got to be everybody. It's got to be every time. Uh, and as a leader, as a Christian leader, you have to really kind of take the initials off the, uh, the bracelet when it says, what would Jesus do? What are you going to do to exemplify what Jesus would do in that particular situation? How can somebody look at you and decide that something's different about you because you're doing leadership for the right reasons? Moving on, there's a lot of expectations of leaders. And the very best example I can think of is the uh, in Timothy. And when I got into church leadership over a dozen years ago, I went through this book about biblical uh, eldership and biblical leadership. And this was laid out very clearly, the expectations of leadership. So I'll read out of 1 Timothy 3, verses 2 through 7. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Those are the the biblical qualifications of eldership. I just think it's good advice for everybody. Um, Good advice for leaders of households. Good advice for parents. Good advice for leaders at work. uh, Good advice for leaders on teams, within communities, and wherever that might be. Um, There's a lot of good information to unpack in there. Uh, it shouldn't be leadership because I'm the boss or because I'm the dad or because I'm the fill in the blank. It should be leadership for the right reasons. There's the old uh, line called uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, there's a lot of great leaders who things went to their heads and they didn't quite understand what they were there to lead or why they were there to lead. Um, and they lost track of the flock behind them. Um, Christian author Maxwell says, if you think you're leading, yet no one is following, you're simply going for a walk. Um, it's one of my favorite quotes out of the uh, several of the books of his that, uh, that I've read. Who's with you? Who is with you? And if you're not the type of leader that, pro- that people want to be with you, um, that's when you've got to check yourself uh, before you wreck yourself. Every time I get the chance to come up here, I always have to come up with one of the... Uh, the things that Ben talks about when he said, in the words of famous theologian, and boy, he rips off some good ones. He's got a lot of great ones. Yeah, you can decide if this is a good one. In the words of Peter Parker and less famously Uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, and that is so true. People are watching leaders all of the time. 
Um, in my business, I, I talk to fellow uh, store directors, and I talk about them. Hey, they know where you're parking. It's almost like the Santa Claus list. They know if you're out or you're nice. They know if you got your shirt tucked in. They know if you got your name tag on. They know where you're parking. They know what you're doing. Um, and it's the same thing with church leadership or leadership in your home or with your family. People are watching you. One of the things I've always tried to do is be a what you see is what you get type of a leader. I'm the same type of guy you're going to see in that room over there on Sunday morning um, as I am going to be in my household or at my place of work or, or in my uh, community. I understand that people are watching. And, you know, I also understand that I'm going to mess things up. Um, some of my biggest moments of mess up have come in uh, when I'm engaged in athletics because I let the, the competitive side of me get, uh, take, uh, take hold there. Um, I've sat in meetings, in, in elder meetings, and got to the point where I was so passionate about something, I later had to make a phone call to apologize to somebody for being just a little too passionate about, uh, about something. But uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, and one of those things that allows us to continue to grow in that responsibility um, is to surround ourselves with people who are going to make us better. Uh, my good friend Rick Ayton always said that uh, serving with you guys on this team makes me a better person, makes me a better Christian, uh, makes me a better man, forces me into making, being involved in a lot of, uh, of good habits. Um, scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron. Um, so we've got to figure out who we're going to surround ourselves with. Um, Jesus calls those people his apostles. Um, I don't have a list of 12 you know, I've got a handful of folks that, uh, that I really count on and that I really know I can need or, or are going to come to my need when, uh, when there's one there. Uh, and, and first and foremost, and again, this is, a, this is some good classic biblical uh, um, information here. It's uh, the research. You're never going to believe where this one comes from. But, you know, it starts with my wife, and she's my ride or die. There you have it. Uh, ride or die is the term used to describe a person that is willing to do anything for their partner, friend, or family, even in the face of danger. No danger quite yet at our house, but I'm happy to know if there is that my wife is my ride or die. She's going to be there. Um, you know, and as your children get older and, and turn into adults, there's another group of people that you can really count on and really, you know, uh, get into some good discussion and really know that those people have in mind, your best interest in mind. And then after that, you know, then things are running pretty thin for me. You know, I got the family who's obligated to care for me and love me. And then I go into my, you know, where's the next tier of people? You know, how am I going to sharpen, how is iron going to sharpen iron? Who's the iron that I'm going to be around? And I, some of the folks that I know, I've talked about this before is, you know, what are the criteria for somebody who's, someone who I can really count on? And I've said this in our small group. I said, hey, if you're willing to loan me a couple thousand dollars, or let me stay in your house if I need to live there for a while. You're on my team. You're my guy. You know, those are the type of people that uh, I can really count on. So Carl raised his hand. He said, hey, I got the money and I could at least put you in the basement. I said, okay, Carl's on my team. Carl's on my team. I got a few other guys on my team. I got my neighbor and my good friend, uh, Matt Zimmerman. He's on my team. I know he is. I know he's got my back um, for whatever I need him for. I got my boss. Uh, funny story about my boss. I was his boss for about eight years, and I did such a good job developing him, I'm now working for him. So, uh, boy, if you ever think your job could get any less stressful, 
than having the guy be your boss that used to report to you and being grateful that the fact that you helped develop him really puts you in a good position if you can, uh, if you can get that worked out. But those are my guys, and there's a handful of other guys like that. Um, and I, I think it's important that you have those people um, in your lives, that iron sharpens iron, people to hold you accountable, uh, people to, uh, to be there for you, people to, uh, to bounce things off of you. Um, and now it's even easier to communicate with those people. Um, a timely text message, a, uh, something on Facebook Messenger that you can grab their attention at the last minute, a quick phone call or whatnot to know that, um, that you're supporting those guys or gals that are, uh, you're going to be around. Again, Jesus called them his apostles. Who are those people for you? You've got to have them in your life. Um, we transition into a uh, into delegation as you uh, surround yourself with those people. Uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. It can't be done alone. Um, leaders have to be able to delegate. Uh, ben is the figurehead of this church. He has a wonderful staff to rely on. He has Zach that he, he puts up on this stage six or seven times a year and relies on for a lot. We know that Mark is going to come in and that we're going to have good, sound Christian music to worship to. We know that Nancy's going to do about everything else that needs to happen to make sure that we can do Sunday morning. He's got a group of leaders um, sitting around the table in prayer and, in, and there's activity and action that has to happen. You can't do things alone. I want to read out of Exodus 18, verse 21. Um, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So in the story of Exodus, um, we know that Moses is uh, hes out there and he's in the middle of nowhere and he's under a lot of stress and the, uh, uh, for a lack of a better term, the troops are kind of getting restless. And, and it's at that point he calls on his father-in-law Jethro, to offer good counsel to him. Um, so there's some, some significant conversation that takes place there. And uh, Moses humbles himself to the point where he's taking advice from Jethro. And then on the other hand, Moses is now developing somebody also in the leadership ranks. And he's working with Joshua. And i got to tell you, that's the only thing that Moses and I have in common is we're both mentoring somebody named Joshua. And it's, uh, it's going pretty well for him, and it's going pretty well for me as well. Joshua has turned out to be a, uh, a great friend and uh, mentor to me over the, uh, the course of the years. Uh, but when you're on a team of people, um, and I can just use the elder team, for example, and this quote came from Carl. Um, he said, there's lots of different types of leaders. Um, you know, and biblically it talks about, you know, there are prophets, there are kings, there are priests. And Carl looks me straight in the eye and he says, brother, you and I are kings because uh, I don't have a very much of a, uh, a counseling or a priestly bone in my body. I'm learning about it and I'm developing myself and continue to develop. And, and the best example I can think of is, uh, is my good friend uh, Rick Ayton um, continues to answer the bell time and time again uh, when it comes to being there for somebody in that role. Uh, Probably, gosh, probably a dozen years ago or so now when uh, Robbie Spillman was our pastor, I had been bringing uh, the aforementioned Matt Zimmerman to church uh, with us. And he attended here for, gosh, on and off for eight or ten years. And uh, early on when he came to church here, his, uh, his mom passed away. And uh, it was a uh, kind of an expected passing. She had uh, lost a battle with cancer. And the, uh, the funeral was in Fort Wayne. It was probably a hundred miles from here, give or take. 
And, uh, of course, myself and my family, we're all at the funeral. And uh, in marches Rick Ayton. Um, a church going to a funeral of a person he's never met, to a, of a parent of a new person at the church who wasn't even a member yet, who he had barely known his name, he showed up 100 miles away for him at that particular time um, to grieve with him and to pray with him. And when I talk about everybody's watching, uh, to this day, um, for those of you who don't know Matt very well, uh, he's in supervision in his job. He's got a team of, I don't know, 50 to 100 people that work for him. And I was talking to his wife the other day, and he said, you know, that example that Rick Ayton set some dozen years ago still rings true today to Matt. So whenever somebody on his team has a death in the family, uh, if there's any way possible that Matt can get there to support that family, whether it's an hour drive or two-hour drive, he's going to show up for them. Um, so that came from Rick Ayton getting off of, you know, leaving the office one day, getting in the car and driving two hours to go be with a whole bunch of people he didn't know um, to show his respects for somebody that went to... Uh, to church here. So we, we are all the different types of leaders. You know, how are you going to fit your style into what's going on in your life? Uh, no different than the mother and the father play a different role at home or the, the boss, uh, a manager and assistant manager play a different role at work. Um, the different elders play a different role right here. I, I'm brought back to the, uh, Mark and Bowden really made me laugh one day when we introduced Chris Ernst as an elder in training. Mark and Bowden says, all I can see is Craig back in the room, standing behind Chris with a stopwatch on him, seeing how fast he's uh, filling the communion cups. I like to think we offer a little more than that when it comes to leadership uh, development, but uh, it's, I, I thought that was very interesting. So there's lots of different types of, uh, of leaders out there, and um, you know we all have that responsibility uh, to develop those leaders, because we cannot do it alone. Uh, we need to continue to develop ourselves, but we need to surround ourselves with people that can help us do that. Um, so moving along, um, we're leaders. We're leading for the right reason. Um, we've learned how to delegate. Leaders also have to protect themselves. I want to read out of Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Folks, the news is full of, pa- of pastors, Christian leaders, and ordinary congregants that have just gone off the rails. Um, you don't have to look too far to find a pastor of a megachurch, a church of 50 people, or you know, just a, a folks that were committed Christians that just someplace went sideways along the line. So how do we protect ourselves? It's easy to say we've got to protect ourselves. How do you do that? Here's a good start. You know what? A lot of us probably had something else we could have been doing this morning. Spending a little bit extra time with the family that came in. Um, sleeping in after a very long day yesterday. Uh, but for one reason or another, 50 or 60 of you chose to come out here on Sunday morning and listen to the second string. So I appreciate you, you doing that. Uh, many others of you are watching from home. So, but that's a good start. Are you, are you in church on Sunday mornings? Time and time again, we've talked about, are you in a small group? Are you meeting with the men's group? Are you meeting with the women's group? Are you meeting with a group of some sort um, outside of church on Sunday morning to develop that group of close friends 
um, that you can count on, that can help protect you? Are you spending ample time in prayer? Um, what does your prayer life look like? Um, is it consistent? Is it appropriate? Is it, um, is it regular? Are you really focusing in on what you need to focus on? Are you, are you surrounding yourself with those folks about, when I talked about how iron sharpens iron, those previously mentioned people, um, your spouse, your children, fellow leaders, co-workers, uh, are you surrounding yourselves with those type of people so that when you need good Christian counsel, that it's going to be there for you? Uh, pick up the phone, send a text message, knock on my door, uh, whatever it is you need to do. Uh, if, you, if you need help out there, if you need uh, the advice of Christian counsel, I know that Ben and Zach and Mark and Nancy and every one of the elders are going to be there for you uh, when you need us. Um, but protect yourself when it comes to that. Stay away from the things of this world that are going to put you going down the wrong track. Uh, Tony Dungy is very famous for saying, and it's not an exact quote, uh, nothing really good happens after midnight. Uh, we need to get the players in their rooms after midnight so that they can all be focused on playing football tomorrow instead of all the other things that they, they could be going on in their lives. But figure out a way to protect yourself. Lastly, stamina. It's hard. It's long. You know, I, I really enjoyed... Uh, Zach's um, discussion on rest a few weeks back. I'm not super good at resting. Uh, yesterday was the first down day I've had uh, in a long time. I've been working a lot. I've got a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, it was uh, Sydney and Kathy and I are watching a movie and I'm getting up and I'm walking around and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I was told that I wasn't very good at doing nothing, at, at, at resting and having that downtime. So I'm going to watch some football this afternoon. So there are all the rest of you can enjoy uh some games today as well. Sometimes you just get tired. Um, but folks, we've got to be in it for the long haul. Um, again, just spend five minutes Googling about these uh, church leaders and Christians uh, that have gone the wrong way or gone off of, uh, off of the rails, as I say. Um, Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, Jimmy V said it best, don't give up, don't ever give up. It's easier to give up. The easiest thing to do is to say, you know what, that job's not for me, it's too hard. This family's not for me, it's too hard. This church is not for me, these people are crazy. Um, sometimes you get tired, sometimes you've got to rest. Um, I encourage everybody, be in it for the long haul. Um, put yourselves in good situations, surround yourselves with good people, and stick with it. Stick with it. Persevere. Um, this next year is going to be kind of a big year in, from a milestone standpoint in my life. I'll, I will have been married 35 years. Um, we'll have been in the same job 40 years. Uh, we'll have been a, uh, at a tender here at Prairie View Christian Church for 25 years. And it's something that... Um, you know, a friend of mine once told me, uh, gosh, a few months back, almost a year now, he said, boy, you are resolute. I mean, you are the guy that just gets after it and sticks with it. Um, and I don't know if that's uh, what I want to be known as, as being resolute, but I, I looked at it and I said, that, you know what, that's a, uh, that's a pretty good quality. Uh, I look around the, uh, the congregation here today, and many of you I've known for those whole 25 years, 
Uh, others of you might have wandered in uh, for the first time today. Um, but I just want to encourage everybody, be in it for the long haul. And again, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, I'm not going to give up. I'm not done being a husband. I'm not done being a parent. I'm not done being a friend. I'm not done being a store director. I'm not done being an elder. I'm not done being fill in the blank. What does that mean for you? Most of all, I'm not done serving God, and it's my prayer that none of you are done either. Have that stamina. Stick with it. Persevere. And uh, and that's what it's all about. I mean, that's uh, Christian Leadership 101. And just to just to recap, uh, just a bit, just a bit, doing it for the right reasons. What are the expectations of leadership? How can you bring others along with you? How can you delegate? How can you develop people? How can you bring other people to Christ? How can you protect yourself? And how can you have the stamina to finish strong? It's been on my mind and on my heart the last few years is what is this church going to uh, look like? What's the leadership team going to look like uh, when, you know, well, here's a good example. You know, I, as I point to Rick seat, he's not there. Uh, he's probably in the pool drinking a Bloody Mary this morning, sitting there watching us uh, here at church. But it won't be long and we won't be able to count on Rick um, for leadership at this church. There are a few of us, a few others of us that probably won't be but a few years behind. And it's been on my heart a lot lately is who are we going to turn this church over to from a fact of young leaders? I feel great about uh, the pastor. I feel great about the associate pastor. Uh, we've got to find young men in this congregation that we can continue to mentor and develop um, so that we can turn this church over and we can continue to uh, to thrive here at the, pr- the corner of 141st and Allisonville um, moving forward. So that's... Uh, um, that's really what uh, has been on my heart lately. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Christian leadership. I, I appreciate the opportunity to get up here. I understand that uh, in a church much larger than ours, um, they're not interested in having the guy that works at the grocery store come up and, and deliver a message. Um, hopefully it's, uh, you were able to, uh, to gain some sort of uh, relevant or good useful information, um, some good scriptural facts about leadership and how it can impact you in the rest of your walk with Christ. So. I appreciate the opportunity. I'll close us in prayer, and then we'll bring Mark and the team back up to uh, to close things out. Uh, dear Father, we just uh, thank you so much for your son Jesus, who is the ultimate leader. Uh, he made the ultimate sacrifice, and Father, he just served. That's what he did. Um, I pray that each and every one of us can figure out how to be more like Jesus Christ, how we can wash more feet, how we can develop more people, how we can help lead more people to him, Um, just how we can be better leaders, whether that's in our home, at our job, in our classroom, on our team, or in our church. Father, it's my my prayer for each and every person here um, that we can all become better leaders in however it is you choose to use us. Um, God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.